0: are locked on wild your Minnesota Wild every day here on the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm your host Joe Booley of zonecoverage.com and with me as always is Tony Abbott from you guessed it zonecoverage.com. Tony, how you doing?
1: Hey, I'm doing just fine. Today just uh, you know, enjoying the nice weather as of late and going around uh still uh still doing the walking which I think is real nice. Uh and yeah, just uh just uh working on stuff with uh with zone coverage too. Uh getting some writing done. I feel like I'm on a uh, a pretty good roll in terms of writing. I just uh, I just put out two articles this week, one about Devin Dubnik and one about Jared Spurgeon nominating him for MVP. So, I'm feeling really good and accomplished this week.
0: It's always good to be accomplished. I think now I think when I throw it to you after our our little intro, I think I got to start talking like Hey, yo, Tony, what's going on with you, eh? <laughs> or something. I got to change it up. What uh, accent were you even trying? <laughs> I don't know. Maybe. You uh, could have gone like three New ways. York, New York Italian. I don't know where I was going with it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's it's awful. It's, I, I thought, you know, what's funny. When I was a kid, I thought that I was really good at voices. Oh,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. Me too. And I watched a lot of Ren and Stimpy and wanted to do like voices for cartoons. Which, like, to be fair, Billy West is a, is an amazing talent at voice acting, and you mm-hmm. should absolutely be inspired by what he can do.
0: Right. Except now that I'm older, and now that I hear myself more often on uh, on podcasts like Locked On Wild, or like when we joined up with uh, with Giles and the goalie and did the Around the Horn bit. Like I hate my voice so bad. <laughs> so and then even when I try to, <laughs> sorry, when I try to sing, when I try to do voices and accents and all that kind of stuff, it's not good. So mm-hmm. that dream that I had as a child, um, well, it died a, a slow and painful death.
1: <laughs> so is uh, is Stimpy your favorite? Uh is Stimpy your favorite uh uh Billy West voice? Uh Stimpy's a good one, but I always liked Ren. Did he do Ren too?
0: I don't know if he did Ren, but I just know that uh oh, Yeah, he uh I, I think
1: he didn't do it initially, but then he took over.
0: Okay. It's just you know, when he says Stimpy, you idiot. You know. <laughs> I, I just I was keyed off of that phrase when I was trying to do the voice and I can never never figure it out and then um I don't know there was uh Pinky in the Brain. Uh I could, I for a while there I could do a decent Pinky. I used to do a really good butthead or not a butthead a a Beavis. Uh and then my voice changed as I got older and I can no longer do like the really high pitched laughing that Beavis <laughs> does. Uh Mike Judge is is just kind of a a, a genius in my mind.
1: Yeah, uh, Pinky in the Brain is another really good one for voice work. Uh Maurice LaMarche, who does Brain, is just a, a, a fantastic voice actor as well. And, and I cannot do that voice at all.
0: <laughs> I, that is one that I could try and try and try. I just cannot do it. Um, so here's the other part, too. Like Another thing that kind of like fostered this childhood dream of doing voices was this is like the age of Robin Williams doing movies during the 90s, you know? uh, Mrs. Doubtfire just came out and that's what he was. He was a voice actor, you know? Um, uh, he did Aladdin. He did uh, a number of different things. Um, and yeah, I don't know. I just, it's just the idea of being able to change your voice and sound like somebody completely different. always kind of fascinated me. And again, I don't like my voice. Um, but I continue on anyways, so we'll see what happens, but yeah. Um, <laughs> Uh, you know, who's actually pretty good, and I don't know if you're a big Family Guy person, but I always thought S- Seth MacFarlane is actually pretty solid at doing different voices yeah, as well.
1: He's 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 good. Like, I used to like Family Guy a lot more than I do now. Like, I think mm-hmm. it was one of those things where, you know, like, you, you know, turn 25. Maybe that's embarrassingly old for dropping the Family Guy thing. But, uh, yeah, like, you know, like, it, it, it was just something where it was like, I don't, I, I could sit down and I could probably enjoy uh an episode of family Guy uh but uh you know I uh yeah. I, I've moved on to other things uh, sure mostly Futurama is where I yeah. am my uh one uh one thing oh, I, I remembered what I wanted to say about Maurice LaMarche. sure uh, he uh, I was watching some calculon clips yesterday okay. and they were absolutely cracking me up <laughs> Calculon's such a good Futurama character.
0: Okay, yeah, yeah, it's pretty good. Um, speaking this of, of Seth MacFarlane, right? Yeah, yeah. You ever actually watch him in an interview talking?
1: Yeah, I've seen. It. I've seen him uh, okay. do like characters and stuff while Sh- talking.
0: It's not even just so much the characters. Um, it's just like if he. It's just for some reason, like his mannerisms and the way he just speaks in general. Reminds me of our friend Panda Pete a lot. And I don't know if Pete's going to get mad <laughs> at me for saying that. But I just – I look at Pete and I, and I just – I see like the same kind of thing that Seth McFarlane does. I don't know. It's 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 weird. I don't know why that triggers that kind of uh, association with me, but it definitely does.
1: All right. So uh, we, uh, we got some stuff going on today, right? Yeah, we definitely got some stuff going on today. I
0: think uh, because uh, it, we are talking uh, team MVP – um, uh, on zonecoverage.com, you can check out Giles's article. He argued for Al Stalock. Tony, you argued for Jared Spurgeon. Minus coming up today on Friday. Um, so in that uh, in that kind of breath, I think we're going to kind of break down our uh, our top five for uh, potential wild uh, team MVPs. So we'll get to those team MVPs right after this. You're listening to Locked On Wild. Welcome back to Locked On Wild here. It's Joe, your host, with Tony from zonecoverage.com. Uh, make sure you check out zonecoverage.com again. Tony and Giles both had uh, articles earlier in the week, and then we wrapped up the week with uh, MVP, team MVP candidates. So we're going to get that in just a moment, but I got a little bit of house cleaning stuff going on here, too. Um, Judge Norty is still going on, and uh, last week, was the uh, the state of hockey versus the Sean Bergenheim trade, in which uh, our friend uh, Dustin Nelson he uh, he joined the show and argued for the the process, the re- you know the, the the rationale for the trade, and uh, I'm going to say right now, it was closer than I thought. Oh, you ready for the uh, the verdict? I don't think I am. <laughs> <laughs> okay, the verdict is the people find. The defendant guilty.
1: <laughs> yes! so,
0: uh, the state of hockey wins the case 56 to 44%.
1: The Sean Bergenheim trade is being sentenced to the electric chair.
0: <laughs> Let it ride that lightning.
1: I put it away, baby. Tony. Yes. Team MVP. Uh, I got two little words for you. Jared, uh, mother hecking waffle Spurgeon, baby. Pew, 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 pew. So I, I wrote an article on zonecoverage.com nominating my, That's my pick. Words. <laughs> nominating <laughs> my pick for the Minnesota Wild MVP, I picked Jared Spurgeon for a bunch of reasons, but I think the one that it comes down to is that I believe that Jared Spurgeon has a basically no weaknesses and has done fantastically in just about every aspect of the game. He was a fantastic power play guy. He was a uh, fantastic in the offensive zone, um, mm-hmm. despite, you know, like having to cover, I think a little more defensively on the defensive end of the ice uh, for, uh, for Ryan Suter's, uh you know, uh, d- defense slipping a little bit, not necessarily sure. his fault, just, you know, product of getting older and then at the same time. With, uh, with his uh, with his ankle injury for two years ago. Uh, I don't know if anyone thought that he would be able to come back 100% of the way from that. And I, I, I think you would have a hard time arguing he did. Um, And I think that Spurgeon had to kind of pick up a lot of that slack. And I think he still had a fantastic year despite having to do that.
0: No, he absolutely had a stellar year. And uh, the way you laid it out on zonecoverage.com absolutely spoke, Uh, you know, It was like music to my ears, and uh, I absolutely appreciated what you wrote too. Because, you know, he is kind of that underrated guy. That uh, I remember when he signed the big contract prior to the season, people were kind of like, "Well, they're they're signing him to a big contract for basically a middle, you know, a a middle pairing kind of player." And it's like, no, you have no idea how really good this player is. Like, yes, he might be playing on the second pairing right now because this was, you know kind of way uh it ended last year Mm -hmm. um he's certainly not a middle pairing player he is a top line defenseman through and through but has that flexibility to play down and what he does is he makes other defensemen better
1: and I think that uh, another thing that you get when you are, you know, get another thing that you get with Jared Spurgeon, right, is the consistency. Like you know that he's going to be a top pairing defenseman every single year. In fact, that consistency is so strong that Jared Spurgeon, over the last five years in total, right, he yep. is third among all defensemen in the NHL in wins uh, in wins above replacement.
0: Yeah, I, that's it's it's insanity. I wrote an article at the time he signed the deal about how uh, it was definitely well deserved uh, for what he's done in here in Minnesota and throughout his career. And um, he might be little, and he might be those two little words that you were talking about, but uh, definitely deserving of uh, team MVP recognition.
1: Oh, for sure. So uh, uh, let's uh, let's let's get some spoilers going, Joe. Who do you have t- for tomorrow?
0: Well, this will be coming out on a Friday, so I encourage people to go click on the article, check it out. But I said it's Kevin Fiala.
1: Ooh, that is, I think that is a good choice. Just a uh, good sure. choice? Uh, you know, like Kevin Fiala had a fantastic eerie Look, you are not going to hear me say a bad word about Kevin Fiala. <laughs> no, You're just I not. Don't. It's not going to happen. Uh, I, on this I think show, that- in this economy, come on. <laughs> i I think that uh he's fantastic he led the team in points i i think that uh, i think that that is like alone that's a that's a pretty big accomplishment you know especially since you know he didn't play more than fifteen minutes a night mm-hmm. until like the end where he started you know uh logging those big minutes down the stretch and, and by the way, down the stretch oh my god like you you Very can't good. really make an argument that anybody but Kevin Fiala was carrying that team.
0: Absolutely. Uh, Just a quick stat, and I'm going to spoil my article a little bit, but from February 10th to the time of the shutdown, uh, February 10th, mind you, was the Jason Zucker trade. And then, you know, five days later was the Boudreaux firing, right? Yeah. Fiala improved his production, and he had a 4.55 points per 60.
1: (sighs) Uh, That's just, uh, that's just wild (laughs) to me. That's, that's, that's absolutely insane.
0: It's absolutely insane. And when a team that, uh, you know, when Bill Guerin is basically making these moves and he's still saying like, Hey, we're going to make a push for the playoffs. Fiala seems like the only player that I absolutely took that to heart. And he put this team on his back and, uh, single-handedly carried the team towards a, uh, you know, one, po- just one point shy of a playoff berth. Obviously we'll never really know if the wild are going to make the post season. If, uh, even if they do resume it, probably there's a chance that, that we, we don't get a full, um, a, a finish to the actual regular season portion. But, um, so we may never actually know what, what he could have done in that time span, but, uh, what he was doing was absolutely absurd and i'm going to tell you right now back in october this team could pay people to watch couldn't pay people to watch this team and by the end of the season right before the pause all you were hearing about was kevin fiala whether it was the national media whether it was uh, at the water cooler at work or you and i talking about him on this podcast
1: i'll do you one better in terms of stats right uh, so I, I just crunched the numbers a little bit and from February fourth on, like you said, uh mm-hmm. he he really started stepping up in, in terms of like taking that uh that load from Jason Zucker, right? Um mm-hmm. uh, he shot over four times a game, four point three three times a game. So like yeah, <laughs> just just not only not only, you know, scoring goals. Uh, like crazy, which you know you can't always count on, right? That kind of that kind of uh, comes and goes. Even with uh, even with the best scores, like Ovechkin gets cold and hot sometimes, you know. Um, yeah, he just gets hot hot more because he's Ovechkin. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> um, but like uh, Kevin Fiala just absolutely got that shot volume, and and that I think was as exciting to see as anything else.
0: Yeah, so definitely check that out coming out today, Friday, on ZoneCoverage.com, and then check out the rest of them, too. I mean, my article is obviously going to be proof positive that Kevin Fiala is the MVP, but, you know, go check out the other guys and see what their (laughs) arguments are, too. Anyways, we're going to get through uh, our second through five rankings here, but we're going to take a short pause, and then we'll get right back to it. You're listening to Locked On Wild. Welcome back to the show. It's Joe and Tony here running through your Minnesota Wild team MVPs. Uh, Tony, you picked Jared Spurgeon for your number one. You have your article. You have your case made on zonecoverage.com. I came up with – and the no-brainer was Kevin Fiala, and I have my article on zonecoverage.com. Check out zonecoverage.com for the rest of the offseason or whenever the season decides to restart. And then in the next season because you've got uh, myself – Tony and uh, Giles Farrell from Giles and the goalie who are uh, uh, running the wild ship, covering that wild beat on zone And uh, we're really excited to bring daily Minnesota wild content. All right, Tony, we're going to go through uh, your, your two through five rankings for team MVP. So let, I'm going to give it right back to you here. Who do you have for your number two?
1: It's Kevin Fiala for everything that we said, and maybe even a little bit more than that. And it's real close for me. How about your number two? I had
0: Jared Spurgeon. I mean, <laughs> it's it's amazing, like what he's able to to do on the ice as a defenseman. Um, he's just got he's. he's I, I've said this before. He is one of the best, if not the best, two way defenseman that this team has.
1: Yeah. Uh, so uh, the the one and two spots. I, I don't think there's really any suspense in that. Uh, Uh, and and (laughs) not for me, uh, not, not not for me. Like I, I I read Giles' article on stay and, uh, spoiler. I I don't think I have him in my top five. Um, but I think that he brought up a real good point that, uh, he kind of stepped up and provided stability at, uh, at two different points, which kind of saved the wild season. And Mm -hmm. I, I think that's a compelling argument. I don't know if I'd go there, but I think like, And uh, and I'm just saying that because, you know, I left him off my personal top five. Um, But I think it's a compelling argument.
0: All right. So who do you have at number three then?
1: Ooh, so number three was real tough for me. It was real close. Uh, And I I think you just kind of got to flip a coin. And I'll say Jonas Brodine.
0: Ooh, wow. We're on the same page here.
1: We are. Okay, cool. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I I had Brodine at three. Uh, my thing was that uh, Brodine had an amazing first uh, part of the season. He kind of tailed off a little bit at the end, but I think that uh, that in a lot of cases, you know, if you were playing with Jonas Brodine, you were going to do all right because Brodine is not only so good defensively, and, and he, mm-hmm. I think, rated as the second best defender in the NHL, mm-hmm. which. You know, but that's the stuff we always you know know about Jonas Brodin. I think that he kind of stepped up this year in terms of the transition game and making uh sure. cleaner breakouts and, and and zone entries. And I think jumping into the play a little more. I think he was a little more active in transition on the offensive end. And then I I, I can't ignore that uh that Matt Dumba. You know, had his struggles this year, but he was at his best when he was playing by Jonas Brodine, I think, for the most part. And then uh, Carson Soucy as well, when Carson Soucy needed to step into the top four. I think Brodine provided a lot of stability and let uh, Carson Soucy mm-hmm. uh, flourish. So that was uh, that was my choice.
0: Well, you took my Carson Susie take pretty much right out of my mouth. So sorry about that. Uh, no, you're fine. You're you're making the argument, but I'll you're let absolutely you, I'll right. I'll
1: let you go number four then. I'll, yeah, I'll just, in case okay. it's the same.
0: I do want to top uh, finish up with Brodeen though. His his offensive numbers are pretty much the same, and I know plus minus isn't a whole lot, but this team's uh, goaltending was shaky at best and needed to be stabilized in a in a bad bad way. Uh, and he leads the team in plus minus or not, no, it's Carson Susie with 16, but, uh, but Jonas Rodin with a, with a 15, with, uh, playing, um, 21 minutes or so per game. I mean, he logs a lot of minutes. He logs a lot of defensive deployment. Um, he's a really good stay at home offensive defenseman. You you mentioned him in the, in the transition game, but, uh, what he's able to do in the defensive zone is, uh, is a thing of magic. And, um, certainly, uh, he, he, I think he's definitely worthy of a of number three on this
1: spot. Well, and I think it's also worth saying that he set a career high in points, too, in just 69 games, 28. And, and that's not a lot, but it's, you know, a, a reasonable so amount, of, especially for somebody who gives you so much on the defensive end. Mm-hmm. All right. Number four. Yeah, you start, Joe.
0: I guess I'm going to go here. Uh, you left him off the list, but I am going to say I'll stay lock. Okay. Yeah, and, and, you know, Giles brought up a lot of the points on his Wednesday article. But the big thing was is this team was floundering big time. And I'm still not sold on Alex Daylock, and I don't believe that um he's going to be, like, the guy for the future that you can just sl- slot in there because he there's a lot of wild card to his game. There's a lot going on during the game that you're just – you're not always confident in him. But what he did – is he stabilized it enough? and because because Bill Guerin wasn't making a move for a goaltender at least I don't think he was going to make a move for a goaltender this year, whether it was bad or it was it was good or what they got, you know And so I think it stabilized it enough to get them back into a point where they're at least into playoff birth contention. Now, again, we're, we might not ever find out if they're ever if they could have gotten there, but I do think that he did a respectable enough of a job. That uh, we've seen this team when they get when they get league average goaltending, they usually play play uh, play pretty damn well. So that's why I have Al Stalock on this list.
1: All right. So my number four is uh, Jules Eriksson Ek, and I think that that might be a little surprising uh, to uh, to some people, just because you know he hasn't had a. Uh, he, you know, he, he, had, he didn't have a lot of points this year, uh, okay. though he did, uh, set his career high. He almost, uh, he got close to doubling his career high. Uh, he had 29 points and, mm-hmm. you know, probably would have had more if the, uh, season were, you know, going to continue and, and you just needed three more to double his career high. Uh, and I, I think that Bruce trusted him in a lot of, uh, of big situations, like in, in, uh, you know against top lines and stuff like that Jewel Eriksson Ek mm-hmm. went out and i think that uh he made a really good impact on, on defense yep. um i think that uh that you know uh it, it seemed like whenever he was on the ice Minnesota was scoring too it wasn't always him participating in the scoring but Minnesota <laughs> also scored at a, a pretty good rate with him out it, can he repeat that i i i hope he can you know maybe he can't <laughs> um well we'll see i i think i think this next year is going to be a, a make or break year kind of for yeah. seeing what Jules ericsson Ek can do but if he's nothing more than what he was last year i i think that uh that was really good like a really good solid defensive third line center like you yeah, need those
0: yeah absolutely you do and you you mentioned that he he basically what you saw here this season was Eriksson ericsson step into that miko koivu role because koivu and probably didn't have a, he did not have a very solid year uh, either in the faceoff dot or really, I think. Oh, he's not in your
1: world. top five.
0: He Miko Koivu. <laughs> yeah, he is not, but I do believe that. Um, yeah, he is. Uh, he, he stepped into that role and you started to see Miko Koivu take that step, step back. So um, I will say that he, uh, he definitely shined uh, in that role. All right. Number five.
1: All right, number five. I think this was kind of tough um, just because like I think there are a bunch of names that you could put at number five. Mm-hmm. And I think I decided to go with Eric Stahl. I think okay. people were kind of disappointed uh, about... Uh, there's, a, there's a there's a Mitch Hedberg joke where uh, being a comedian, you want to start the show strong and you want to end the show strong. You can't be like pancakes. All exciting at first, but by the end, you're sick of them. Uh, <laughs> Eric Stahl was kind of like pancakes this year, and that he didn't really start the uh the season strong or ended strong uh but uh he did uh really well in the middle part of the season like he uh yeah. he put up a lot of points uh in you know uh november december january right about then and i i think that counts for something like i i think that uh i think that he performed at a, uh, at a very high level for, you know, at least part of the season. And, and, you know, he's still the guy that Minnesota kind of relies on at center to, uh, to, uh, be out there in those big situations. And, uh, and maybe he's not quite suited for the role anymore. Uh, but you know, like he was what Minnesota had. And I think that he answered the bell reasonably well.
0: Uh, He scored his 1,000th point this year, too. So, I mean, he's had a a really solid career. Yeah, Eric Stahl, um, uh, not a bad pick here at number five. And uh, being the the Wilds' de facto top line center, I think that uh, you're right. There probably was uh, maybe he set expectations really high with the first three years that he was in Minnesota. But um, 48 points at 69 games, I mean – it's not terrible.
1: Yeah, no, he had a good he had a good year in its own right. Like I, I'm mm-hmm. just saying, like I know that people might be down on it because of expectations. I I think I kind of like, uh, uh, I I kind of made it sound like he didn't have a good year sure, or something like sure. that. But yeah, I
0: went a little uh controversial here, and and it's only controversial because if you remember he was willing to ma- waive his no-move clause at the trade deadline. <laughs> so, number five,
1: Great I went pattern. Zach Preezy.
0: Now I went Zach Preezy. <laughs> <laughs> the other player with the P last name. <laughs> um, Preezy led the team in goals. Um, there's always this talk around surrounding him about whether or not he quit Bruce Bruggero, then he got another coach fired. But I'll tell you what, you don't lead the team in goals – uh, he was on pace for another 30 goals this year. Um, I think that um, we saw glimpses of, of vintage Parisi. Um Overall, I think the team struggled, um, and, and he certainly can't play goalie. But uh, I think that uh, for, for a guy that uh, you're worried about as he gets older, to see him leading the team in goals, I think he was, like, second in points. Um, he still is very much – kind of a heart and soul of this team and I know that you know for the heart and soul the wave is no move clause is a really big freaking deal but man I just it, I, it just as on ice performance alone I think that as Fiala really took off Parisi took off as well and that both those guys like in and, and Fiala and Parisi had to really swallow a lot of his pride coming back in and trying to you know, go back to that locker room after after the reports of the uh, the failed trade came out, and um, and and what he did is he he was very businesslike, and he he sucked it up, took his his, his lumps, and uh, as he gets pushed further and further down the uh, the lineup, to I think he was at one point on the third line this year. Um, I think that uh, you know he's still a very productive player, even um, even at the age of what thirty mm-hmm. four. Yeah. so i mean uh, that's why i put him in my top five
1: i was worried that you weren't going to mention it but uh yeah i think the 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 part that is really standing out for me is that he was really the guy who clicked with kevin fiala on the ice and and really kind of activated it him and like not to take away you know credit from fiala for you know mm-hmm. doing what doing what he did but like you know uh-huh it was. Uh, it was. I think it was very important for Perise to uh, to be able to be a compliment to Fiala on the ice and and being yeah. able to unlock that. Like I, I think that that merits uh, some consideration too. And plus, like you know, uh, like you said, like he you know did a, a good job of scoring goals. <laughs> yeah, twelve goals on the power play as well.
0: I mean. Um, the wild power play still, I don't believe is fixed. Uh, even with Kevin Fiala, I think it might be in the future. But Breezy kind of left. It was kind of the uh, the driver on the uh, in special teams as well. Anyways, that is going to do it for our team MVP rankings, Tony. Hey Tony, where can we find you on the internet?
1: All right, you can find me on Twitter at oh Tony. You can find my work at Zone Coverage Minnesota.
0: All right, and you can find my work. Also at zonecoverage.com. Again, that Fiala article drops this morning on Friday. Definitely check that out. Um, And uh, you can find me and follow me on Twitter at JoeBoo15. That's going to do it for today's show. And if you liked today's show, please hit subscribe so your device sends it to you every time there's a new episode without having to do any work. Please leave a review and a rating on whatever podcast service you use. You can follow the podcast on Twitter. Just look up at Locked On Wild. You can also get in touch with us via email. Just email us at lockedonwild at gmail.com. Thank you for listening to Locked On Wild and be sure to check us out every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday until games resume to stay on top of everything revolving around your Minnesota Wild MVPs every day.